uh, um, first off, Annie Lou, I'm really glad to see you. I'm glad to see you too. Again. And, uh, and the next thing is, is that what we've been talking about for the past five minutes uh, needs some congratulations. You need to know that I have a really warm heart for what you're doing, especially uh, in relationship of teaching the Dhamma to your mom and letting her getting the benefit out of it also. And so when we turned the video recorder on, we did that at the point of time when we were playing, talking about a particular kind of game. And that game has a name to it as what if. And it normally means what, uh, 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 or another way of saying the game is, well, what about? In the sense of a what aboutism? What about this? Okay, or what about that? Now, sometimes that what about is used in the sense to justify one's own wrong behavior. Okay, so you so when the little kid gets caught taking cookies and he says, well, what about bank robbers? <laughs> well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh as far as cookie jars go but that's the way that many people try to get off the hook of what i did is not very bad that there is something much much worse so that much much worse then can be seen as oh no maybe that what is worse might happen in the way that your mom plays that game of what if but it's still what about ism? What about all of that really, really bad stuff out there? Or what about all of that really bad stuff coming here? And so that's a game that people play and they play it always to their disadvantage. Now, the interesting thing is, is that we think that we play the game to our advantage by being prepared for anything to where in fact, what really has happened to your mom is, is that she's bowled over by everything. Even a bunch of stuff that doesn't happen. That there's a better way of being prepared. And the, and the better way of being prepared is to get yourself in a state of joy and happiness. And then whatever happens, does happen, we can handle that joyfully. That's the way of looking at it. There's the skill set that we need to uh, gain preparation on is the skill of happiness, not the skill of uh, outwitting any and every possibility of things that can go wrong. And so you can hand that one to your mom, too, about this game of what if. And you could begin to uh, uh, catch each other playing that game. And that there is a catchphrase <laughs> that I learned in psychology that I taught my mom when when uh, she was alive, but we're talking about 50 years ago. And um, at that time, there was a phrase that I taught her that wound up working perfectly for her. And so I hand you this also, this phrase, and uh, the phrase is, ain't it awful? Ain't so it awful? Ain't it awful? Yeah. 
So when your mom comes up with what if or what about this or what about that? Or what if this happens? You can say, wow, ain't that awful? <laughs> a great big smile. Like, yeah, that's awful, isn't it? <laughs> but it's not here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the trick then uh, with this skill is to remember to apply it. And the trigger is any time that your mom is thinking about something that could possibly happen and would be dangerous if it did, but it's not happening. And I hear this from students a lot, often. At one point, the student is um, actually practicing what the Buddha taught. He's off in the woods at night. He's camping, right? And the Buddha says, go to the forest, go to a foot of a tree, to an empty hut. So uh, the student goes out and he's got his camping equipment and he's got a friend there and he hears something go bump in the night. Well, trees and things make noise in the forest, and forest is not always a quiet place. Sometimes there's something happening. But immediately, what if a bear? <laughs> what if a bear, right, okay. Fact is, is that when bears are out scrambling around at night, they don't make noise. So that's not a problem. All right, but the point is, is that the bear and the fear of bears comes up from the thought of bears and the thought was trying to connect a noise with what if it's something dangerous. Mm. And then we can say, oh, ain't it awful? Bears <laughs> in the woods, ain't it awful? <laughs> <laughs> And another example was a student. Um, this happened uh, recently that there was a shooting at her school and seven, six, seven people got killed. And that uh, she was at home, nowhere near the school. But when she heard about it, she got really freaked out. My school had a shooting. The reality is that that's not her school. She can't walk into that place, into the principal's office or into the, uh, uh, the king of the hill or whatever like that and sit down at his desk and just take over. No, that place doesn't belong to her. But in our feelings of mine, that means that, well, what if I'm at school when the shooter is there? The answer is you weren't there. Yes, there were six people that got killed out of hundreds of millions of people, not very high odds, but enough for what if to make her afraid enough to start crying. Mm. When the mistake was my school. So Ain't it's it like because she, owns the school. <laughs> she didn't feel safe anymore? It, well, uh, but it's a momentary, I mean, that everybody doesn't feel safe when they hear it, but then it passes because it's not real. Like, and can, can you be okay with feeling unsafe or is it like contradictory? Oh, well, the question would be, um, 
but the even that momentary feeling of safe of hearing the story is still you play the what if game what if that danger were here where in fact it's just a story yeah because that moment you're not in a shooting <laughs> precisely now let's make a further step this happened on september in 2001 i was staying at a water monastery in chicago and i walked into a meditation class that was being taught by uh, the abbot of the wat his name was virasak viradamo and that night there was a oh maybe a dozen or more students showed up and that was the day of the 9-11 crash from the airplanes into the twin towers where america was more or less freaked out but here we have 11 people in the suburbs of Chicago, somewhere between 600 and 800 miles from the Twin Towers. And they're all freaked out as if the Twin Towers uh, were falling around them with big blocks of concrete falling on them or whatever. This is how we feel. And that the, the point was is that when I walk in, in there, the poor monk didn't get much um, help everybody in the room was blaming him for not feeling as bad as they did wow. and he says that's that's you know and he just couldn't explain it and that's when i walked in and so i interjected and took over and pointed several things out including that's 800 miles from here you're trying to bring the twin towers here just so that you can suffer And when they begin to understand that, they can see that that's the what if game again. They're playing the game of what if I were in the Twin Towers, when in fact they weren't. None of those people in that room would probably had ever been in the Twin Towers and had no intention of ever going to the Twin Towers until there's a disaster and then they climb right in. <laughs> and I think there's also, well, I sometimes see that in my mind that I feel like I have to feel bad because something bad happens. So it's almost mm -hmm. like I feel like, oh, it's my responsibility to feel bad, you know, which is obviously yeah. not good. <laughs> okay, there are two points about that. You're talking about it at a very subtle level, but we began talking about it at a kind of a big or gross level with your mom. But now you're talking about it at a very subtle level. So let's look at some of that, the source of that. Number one is, is that it is instinctual. It is built in programming to have empathy for others. That in fact, uh, the scientists can call it the hurting instinct or the nesting instinct. That, um, that schools of fish will school together when there is dangerous, when there's predator fish around, these fish will school, otherwise they'll separate and go their own merry way. Birds of a feather flock together out of danger. Okay, so that's the, the, the point of it is, is that when you hear about danger, there is that instinctual urge to join that herd because we want to feel safe but that's the, but if we think about it we're actually misusing our herding instinct but that society 
which is nothing but humans big herd, actually has made that mistake for so long that it's become part of the of the society in the sense that this is what we think is compassion. This is what we think is empathy. That when we see someone drowning, we think that the thing to do is to drown also. So when we hear about a catastrophe like a 9-11 and airplanes crashing and all of that, people want to go there in their mind in empathy, but all they're doing is joining the tragedy and making themselves feel bad out of an instinct. And that's, if we think about it with wisdom, we say that's stupid. And it is, it really is stupid to go around feeling bad because we can see other people feeling bad. But a much better way to handle it would be let's get our own selves joyful by not going into their misery. And then by being joyful on the outside, you can invite them out of their misery. This is exactly what you're doing with your mom. You can do that at an even more subtle level, which was more like the level uh, that in between level where the students were in the meditation class 800 miles from 9-11 and yet they all felt as if they were in that tower why would they do that that's the question that i ask them why would you put yourself into that tower just so that you can suffer and die with other people the answer is is because we do that instinctually mm. that we see that as part of hurting instinct on a regular basis Very interesting that we heard together like that. But wisdom would say, maybe we don't need to follow the herd. So is maybe wisdom like not instinctual? Well, finally, you are taking control. You see, when the people are putting themselves in that tower, they're actually putting themselves in danger. And one of the qualities of danger is being out of control. You can't handle the situation. Okay. So we put ourselves mentally in a state of feeling out of control. And there they are sitting in a classroom feeling bad about something that happened hours before hundreds of miles away. Now, real empathy would be what can we do now to help the situation rather than wallowing in the bad feelings of what if. But you can tell that, in fact, it is not only instinctual, but our society almost expects that from us because the society has been following that instinct. And so they expect you to follow that instinct, but that's not wisdom at all. <laughs> the wisdom is, hey, I don't have to feel bad because I'm not in the building that's falling down. If I'm in the building that's falling down right now, I don't have much time to feel bad about it. I need to get up and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> And so in that regard, either I'm really in the burning building or I'm not at all in the burning building. But these most of the folks playing this what if game, we put ourselves in a burning building. For no reason at all. Yeah, and we do so mentally. 
And that's the game that your mom is playing. We saw that game played with those students uh, right after 9-11. We've seen it with the guy in the woods with the bear. We've seen it with the girl that's uh, 30 miles from the school where the shooting was. All of these things we freak out about when we're not there. These are not real events. That in fact, almost every tragedy that ever happened to you only happened mentally and didn't happen in reality. Yeah. And that sometimes we're, it's uh, just that way to something small, a small event in reality in the mind becomes a giant tragedy. Where in fact, it's just the natural flow of life. Yeah. Like, for instance, a relative dying. Well, relatives die. But in fact, you want relatives in your family to die. Why is that? Because the bigger your family, the more support you have, the number of people there are, then the more people are likely to die. And so I want in my family to have a whole lot of people dying. That means I got a really big family. Yeah. <laughs> But that's thinking of it logically. Normally, what we think about, oh, no, somebody's died. Oh, the family is now suffering or whatever. No, life goes on. The question is, what kind of attitude are we going to have about it? Yeah. And like you said, like that thing about like society expecting something. I feel mm -hmm. that's a lot. For example, I feel like society expects me to talk if in a way that's like full of hope like they tell me to have faith and to be to have a lot of hope that my mom is going to be healthy and for me it's like oh I don't like I want to be okay now like now that she's here you know and for them that's like oh that's shocking and for example with my mom one of her big what ifs is like oh but When I'm gone, what if something happens to you? And I always tell her, like, oh, a lot of things are going to happen to me <laughs> because that's life. And it's okay. I tell her, like, I'm okay. But I find it that she finds it very hard when I tell her that. But for me, it's a reality. Like, I cannot tell her, like, oh, nothing bad is going to happen to me because that's a lie, you know? But I tell well, her, like, I'm going to take care. I'll be fine. And mm -hmm. like a week ago, I had a big reaction to this medicine, to a vaccine. So I my blood pressure dropped and I fainted. But it was like a one thing. And she kept freaking out about it. And like, what if you faint again? And what if you faint and you hit your head? <laughs> and I kept telling her, like, well, but... I just fainted one time and I was very lucky because I was holding a cardboard box. So my head fell on the box. So I didn't hit. Actually, um, when people faint or fall and hit their head, that's almost always in a movie because the movie needs to make it a big deal. If somebody <laughs> just falls down, there's nothing to it. Why waste the footage and put that in the movie? <laughs> the fact is, is that falling down happens a lot. How many times have you fallen down in your life? 
A thousand? How many times did you hit your head when you fell? Not once. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a pretty distant what if that your mom is playing. Yeah. And the reality is, no, you're safe. You can fall down and you're still safe. Falling down and hitting your head is quite rare. Yeah. Yeah, besides now, I know how it feels before fainting. So if I feel it again, I can just sit down and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now, it is possible to fall down and hit your head and get injured when you're riding a motorbike. And so you got to watch what you're doing. That's a danger that we have to keep track of. In other words, that's part of the game is to watch where you're going. To wear a helmet. But the the best part, exactly so, put a helmet on. But but guess what? The mom needs to know that you're not riding around the house on a motorcycle at 100 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't need a helmet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That you're safe enough. And that she's playing again a what-if game. Yeah. It's just just another what if game. And the, the what if has always got to do with what if something bad happens or what if something has already happened that's really bad that makes my new behavior okay. Those are the two forms of the game. Wait, what, always, what was the second one? The second one is is that when we talk about how bad things are or could be, makes it okay the little bit of bad that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like the politician who gets caught stealing $100,000 will say, well, what about him? He stole a million. <laughs> okay. Our president this, actually said that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's when they, that's the form of what aboutism. What about him? What about that? Leave me alone. I'm okay in my badness because I can just talk about something that's even worse. Right? But here your mom is not doing anything at all. She's just figuring out something worse. Yeah. (laughs) That's even a more... I mean, the first way of playing the game's got logic to it. Is I'm trying to get off the hook by finding something else for you to go uh, look at. In other words, don't climb the tree that I'm in. You've got a bigger bear in the tree next door. Go over there and bark up that tree. Right? But your mom's not even up a tree. She's just looking at that tree and says, oh, bark, bark, bark. She's the one who's doing the barking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes, like, when I was sick, like, past week, uh, I felt I was less tolerant because I was feeling really weak, so I will sometimes get frustrated and I will talk to my mom in ways I didn't like and I felt guilty. Like, I will be like, I will tell her, like, I'm fine, but not in a nice, friendly way. I will be a bit angry, like, I'm fine, don't worry about me. And then I will feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at you, you're really sharp. You're catching that stuff. That's really, really good. This, the kind of stuff that you're actually putting into practice, many people don't have the opportunity to put it into practice in such an, um, let us say, uh, with such a, a marvelous opportunity that you have. 
And because of that, they they don't develop anything without having to have a really, really formal practice. Now, you will gain great benefit if we start having a formal practice. But that um, right now, you're doing just fine. You're gaining a whole lot of skill. And we can continue with talking about this right now. But later, we can talk about you beginning to have a formal practice to where you're actually watching these little what ifs that happen in the mind. So that you could really begin to take control over that. But right now, playing this game with your mom about her playing what if and whether or not you get caught up in it. This is really an excellent training ground for you. Yeah, and, and it's it's crazy because it's working on its own. Like the other day I was on the street and I read the sign that had a rainbow and it said everything will be all right. And the mm -hmm. first thought that came to my mind was like, oh, everything's already all right. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, amazing. I didn't even have to think like it just came up. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, that's the kind of thing that we have. Um, when we say everything's going to be all right, that kind of means that things are all right already right now. Mm. But you saw that little distinction in there. But uh, singing it that way, if everything's going to be all right, I like it. That, you know, that, it's got a really nice ring to it. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Everything's fine. And this is the kind of um, language or wording that we can repeat often as if it were a mantra. In fact, this is the whole point of what a mantra is about. But we don't have to do mantras really formally. We can just kind of remember these phrases from time to time and perk up the moment. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. No worries, mate. That's another one I learned from uh, a time when I was in Australia. No worries, mate. Yeah. Everything's going to be all right. Everything is fine. And when we're saying those things, we're not playing the what if game because the what if game is trying to find out something that we can pull us out of that state of everything's OK, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, I've been repeating that like I have like these five things I repeat a lot. And one is like, yeah, everything's fine. And I also tell myself like, oh, I don't have to do like to resolve anything and I don't have to be anyone and I have to prove anything to anyone and sometimes I find that I say even a lot less thing like a lot of the things I say if I think before saying like I don't have to prove anything <laughs> and I there's a lot of things I have just stopped saying now <laughs> isn't that amazing yes because I imagine that you felt like that you had to uh, be up to scratch, be up to good enough. You had to constantly prove that you were uh, uh, on guard or um, the idea of resting on your laurels. You can't do that. You've got to keep performing and performing. And now you're recognizing that that's just a bad habit that you've been in. That's almost uh, fueled by that what if game. That's very similar. <laughs> And also, and, I realize like there is this part of my mind that feels that has to have an opinion, 
and then I think like I don't have to have an opinion <laughs> and it feels good. <laughs> yes, the Buddha actually talks about that uh, in the sense that um, while when we are in the dark, we crave for light. When we don't know what's going on, we want to be able to see. But there is a limit to how much light we need. The same thing is true with knowledge. That just enough is all we need. That we, don't, we do not need to become, let us say, world-class composers and world-class karate martial artists and also the CEO of a large corporation and also a race car driver. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people, they want to do everything because what they do have is never enough. The question for you is, how much is enough? The answer is, there's a whole lot of stuff I don't have to have an opinion on. I don't <laughs> have to have opinions on politics. I don't have to have opinions on food. I don't have to have opinions. In fact, sometimes opinions are very, very heavy things, because what if somebody disagrees with my opinion? <laughs> the answer then, is if I don't I have, have an opinion right. on it, <laughs> then I don't have to prove that I'm right because I don't hold an opinion on it. Yeah. And and what about at the because sometimes I get thoughts of uh for example about wanting to know like Nirvana or like knowing more about Dharma. Sometimes I think like, oh, when my family doesn't need me anymore, like, I'll, I'll go to the mountains to just meditate. But then I feel like, oh, but that's irrelevant right now, because right, right now... Yeah, that's irrelevant, here, right? right? When you're in the right mood at the right time, that might be the right decision. But thinking about it in advance is just more hope or wishful thinking. That in fact, you mentioned the word hope before, and I wanted to come back and touch on it. That I probably... Uh, you, you've probably heard the three words faith, hope, and charity used together. In fact, Paul said faith, hope, and charity. But of those, he said that the, the, uh, the greatest of the three is charity. Okay? Rather than faith and hope. Okay? That in fact, um, to be honest with you, you and I already have discussed this, so it's not going to be a big surprise to you, but your mom's going to die. There's no re real reason to hope otherwise. Yeah. But what you can do is you can have the charity to cheer her up during that process. That's where the charity comes in. Hope we don't need so much of. That in fact, hope has the problem of it that hope means that things are not good enough as they are, and we hope things get better. Yeah. Well, bingo, that means that we're wanting something we don't have. Why aren't we just good enough the way things are right now? But in fact, if you really enjoy your relationship with your mom right now, then when it's time for her to go, you can say goodbye to her with a clean heart, not feeling guilty and remorse, and I wish I'd done this, that, and the other thing for mom, because you did it. You were a marvelous daughter. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you remember. Yeah. 
And so sati is the number one skill to be developed. And that sati is why we actually practice anapanasati. We use the breathing to help us to remember so that we can then remember to treat mom at the, the way that we need to treat her rather than reacting to her the way that we used to. Yeah. Okay, and so it's all about to remember. Because if you can remember, you already know the right thing to do. What to do is the easy part. The hard part is to remember to do it at just the right time. Yeah, I find like there's just one what if <laughs> that really uh, sometimes it's hard for me to see or sometimes I see it when I have already been suffering a lot. And this is the what if the thought came, comes to my mind like, Oh, what if my mom doesn't die in peace and she doesn't manage to be at peace with this and then she dies and then she dies, well, like, you know, like all stress and like, oh, no, I don't want to die and like full of fear. And and so my mind starts going like, bam, 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 bam. and when I realize it, I feel like the resistance, like I don't want to drop this what if, but then I remind myself like, oh, But remember all the things you tell your mom, like, oh, it's okay. So I feel like, yeah, I can do the same for myself. But that one is like very kind of recurrent, like it comes and it grabs my attention really fast. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things with this that, that will help you and your mom, um, we can use it as kind of an anchor just like we were talking about the mantras of the little phrases, we can also have another kind of anchor that can help memory. And it's also going to be good at the really tough moments. And there may be some tough moments when mom gets really sick, gasping for breath and times like that. Uh, and so what I would recommend is, is that you uh, and she decide and put together, but you can do this not in a decisional, heavy, hard-duty way, but in a very light way, figure out a song that you and she both know that the two of you, when one of you sings the song, the other will join in, in the sense of whatever you were thinking about before, is whatever what ifs or ever how bad, and forget all about that, and join together and bond. Some little song, maybe zippity doo dah or uh, <laughs> joy to the world, or uh, um, uh, Satchmo had one. What a wonderful world! Uh, some, but some song that you already know. Maybe not all the lyrics, but you can find the lyrics on the internet and uh, remind your mom of that song. And then, whenever she goes off into bad feelings, you can start humming that song. We can do this with a song exactly the way that we were going to do it with the oh, ain't it awful, the one that my mom had. But with you, maybe your mom, that would be because uh, that would be a very strong anchor for her, a little song that she can sing. It doesn't matter what the song is, even if it's a Christian song. It can be holy, 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 my socks are holy. Or something like that. Maybe sitting on the premises. We used to stand on the promises. But whatever, that's a really gladdening song for her. 
doesn't yeah. matter whether it's religious or popular or whatever, but that the thing of it is, is that it connects. You and she connect with that song. Because then there'll be moments when you really need something like that to help her out of her what if I'm going to die right now into that song so that she can die with a song in her heart. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. And so I go find one. It doesn't, I, can't, I can't choose the song for you, but you and she can figure out some song. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to ask her what song she likes. <laughs> yeah, what song do you like? Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. learn that song so that you can sing it for her whenever she needs it. That will help her to remind, to come out of her what ifs and live in reality, a beautiful reality, because she's got such a beautiful daughter to take care of her in her last days. Yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll talk next time you call. We'll talk about sati. To sati. remember, to remember, to remember. But I can tell you that now as we as we go to remember to sing that song. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Tamarato. Okay. Thanks bye bye. Bye.